Well, this past week in the news, there have been some incredible stories of extraordinary bravery. I don't know if you, if you saw them, but stories of men and women who gave up their lives for the sake of somebody else. Some of the stories surrounded the Star of Courage medals, which were awarded by the Governor-General this week. Uh, in total, there were three awards. Now, I confess I have actually never heard of the Star of Courage Award before this week, but now I know that it's actually Australia's second highest honour for acts of bravery, second uh, behind the extremely rare Cross of Valour. One of the three Star of Courage medals was awarded posthumously to a 23-year-old American man, Robert Cook. This is him up on the screen. His story is one that really moved me. A couple of years ago, a Melbourne woman named Kimberly Deer, she was in America and she went skydiving for the very first time. That was where she met um, Robert Cook. In fact, he was her skydiving instructor. Now, a few seconds after the plane took off, it had total engine failure and it began to plummet back down to the earth. It took 16 seconds for the plane to fall and hit the ground. Can you imagine the absolute terror, the absolute horror in the hearts of the passengers of that plane during those 16 seconds. Absolutely powerless to do anything, completely helpless. Well, it was during those 16 seconds that Robert Cook turned to Kimberly Deer and he told her to focus on his instructions. And he got her to sit in his lap, and she did. And then he clipped his harness onto Kimberly and he told her to lean up against him hard, to, to brace herself. And then he wrapped his arms around her, embracing her, so that he could take the full force of the impact. And that's exactly what he did. And so while Kimberly survived the crash, Robert didn't. Don't you find that an incredibly moving story of extraordinary bravery? Of course, this week in the newspapers, we were also reminded, weren't we, of the incredible bravery of the 645 seamen who perished with the HMAS Sydney when it sank in 1941. You know, the, the wreck of the ship only having just been located this past week, located off the West Australian coast. The discovery of the wreck is, as Prime Minister Kevin Rudd said, both historic and sad. It's been a reminder of the 645 men who gave their lives protecting Australian citizens from our wartime enemies. Again, an incredible story of extraordinary bravery. Well, today is, of course, Good Friday, a day in which Christians all around the world remember another incredible act of extraordinary bravery, the death of Jesus Christ. A man who lived 2,000 years ago, but no ordinary man. For Jesus proved himself to be God's very own son. Now, as God's son, he had lived with his father in heaven since, well, since forever. But then at a particular point in our history... That being 2,000 years ago, God's son, Jesus, was born into our world. From a baby, he grew into a child. From a child, he grew into an adolescent and then into a man. And then at age 33, Jesus Christ died. 
He died not in a plane crash, nor did he die out at sea. No, he died nailed to a wooden cross, executed Roman style, crucified. Nothing particularly brave about that. Many thousands of people died nailed to wooden crosses. But it's the death of Jesus Christ that is especially important to Christians and remembered by them, especially on Good Friday. Why is that? Why is that? Well, you see, in the same way that Robert Cook gave his life for Kimberley Deer on that aeroplane, and in the same way that the crew of the HMAS Sydney gave their lives for the sake of their fellow Australians, well, Jesus Christ, too, gave his life for the sake of others. Here, let me show you from God's book, let me show you from the Bible exactly what Jesus did. This sentence on the screen, it comes straight out of the Bible, it comes from a part of the Bible called Romans, chapter 5, part of a chapter that we had read uh, for us a little bit earlier on. You can see there, see what it says. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, let's think about these sentences for, this sentence for a moment. We've got to think about it in reverse order, because I think that will help us to understand a little bit easier. See the last part there. See the last part. Christ died for the ungodly. Robert Cook died for Kimberley Deer. The crew of the HMAS Sydney died for their fellow Australians. Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. So we ask, who are they? Who are the ungodly? Well, they are people who are ungodlike. See, that's what the word ungodly means, ungodlike. Jesus died for the ungodlike, people who are nothing like God, people who are the opposite to God, if you like. So think about it. What is God like? Well, God is perfect and good and kind and sincere and truthful and generous and selfless and moral, isn't he? So then Jesus died for people who are the opposite to that. He died for the ungodly, the ungodlike. He died for people who are mean and vile and obnoxious and profane and evil and corrupt and selfish and greedy and lustful and hateful and immoral and cruel. That's who Jesus died for. He died for the ungodlike, the ungodly. And when did he die? Well, let's uh, look from the beginning of this sentence, shall we? You see there that he died at just the right time when we were still powerless. There's lots of interesting stuff to notice here. First, notice that little word we in the top right-hand corner. When we were still powerless. It actually tells us more precisely about the identity of those that Christ died for. It is we. We people, we human beings. Yes, all of us, you, me, we all. When we were still powerless... 
Christ died for the ungodly. So you see, that makes we all the ungodly and Christ died for us. Don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as being mean, vile, obnoxious, profane, evil, corrupt, selfish, greedy, lustful, hateful, immoral and cruel before. But according to God's book, the Bible, you are, I am. According to God's standards, you are, I am. In one way or another, we have expressed these things in our lives and we have shown ourselves to be the opposite to God. That not only makes you God's opposite, that makes you God's opposition, his rival, his enemy. You see, in your ungodliness, you have opposed God. You have taken him on as a foe and that is a big, big problem. Because you see, opposing God makes God angry. And once God is angry, we are powerless to do anything to change that. You know, it's a little bit like once those engines failed in that skydiving plane, there was nothing that Kimberly Deer could do but plummet to the ground with the inevitable consequences. Well, now... We, you, me, we, people, have made God angry and now we are powerless, helpless to do anything but plummet into the inevitable consequences of God's wrathful judgment. Plummeting all the way into hell itself, if you like. But Jesus died for the ungodly. See, it's a little bit like we made ourselves God's enemies. We were plummeting right into hell. But when Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross, it's as though there he wrapped his arms around us, embracing us, taking upon himself the full impact of God's anger and judgment. There taking upon himself the full force of hell so that we wouldn't have to. So let's look at this sentence again, this time from the beginning, because I think that it will make more sense to us now. You see, at just the right time, 2,000 years ago, when we, everybody, were still powerless, plummeting helplessly into hell, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus faced God's anger on our behalf. Now there, friends, is an incredible story of extraordinary bravery for you. And it's why we Christians celebrate on Good Friday, remembering what Jesus has done for us. People giving up their lives for the sake of others, it it is extraordinary, isn't it? Not exactly the sort of thing that happens every day. Not the sort of thing that happens all of the time. I mean, we're all here this morning. Obviously, we haven't died for anybody. It doesn't happen all the time. It's pretty rare. And I guess that's why stories like that of Robert Cook and the HMAS Sydney have made the newspapers this week because they're stories that are rare and they are special. They don't happen all the time, but they do happen. 
And it's that point, that's the point of the next sentence that follows on from the first one in the Bible. See what it says? It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man or a good man. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. You see, very rarely will someone give up their life for the sake of a righteous or a good person. But it does happen. For a good person, someone might just dare to die for them. What about you? I wonder about you. Is there anyone in your life that you would be willing to die for? Anybody in your life that you would be willing to die for? Anybody in your life that you would be willing to take a bullet for? It's a bit of a confronting question, isn't it? And yes, I know that it's all a bit hypothetical, but you know what? I've been thinking about this this past week, and I am pretty sure, I am pretty sure that I would be willing to take a bullet for my Beth. <laughs> it's true. I've been thinking about it all week. I would be willing to take a bullet for my Beth. Now, I think she'd be happy enough if I just kept the toilet seat down, but <laughs> I would dare to die for my Beth. I mean, this is going to be a little tangent now. She's so lovely. <laughs> She's, she is though, isn't she? You know, she's precious. You know, she's beautiful on the outside. She's beautiful on the inside. She's so good to me. She's just so lovable. So lovely. I reckon it's probably the same for you who are parents. You know, you, you have, who have kids. I think we saw it in our kids' presentation this morning, didn't we? Well, he didn't really die. He'll on to a B. But I think he probably would have died for his kid too. You know, kids, they're adorable for the most part. And they mean the world to you parents. They look to you for protection. They're just so lovable. You love them. But you know what Robert Cook did for Kimberly Deer that day? That was at a whole other level again, wasn't it? Surely. I mean, he barely knew the woman. They'd only just met if I'm to be perfectly honest with you, I reckon it's a very good thing for Kimberly Deer that I was not her skydiving instructor that day. Not only because I don't know how to skydive, <laughs> but also because the truth is, you know, if I was put in that very same situation as he was put in, I'm not sure that I'd be considering anybody else other than myself at that moment in time. You know, I'd possibly dare to die for those people in my life who are lovely and lovable. But Robert Cook died for a stranger. And that's extraordinary. That takes it to a whole other level again. But friends, what we need to realise is that what Jesus Christ did for you and me was at a whole other level again. Because the fact is, Jesus didn't die for lovely, lovable people. Nor did he die for strangers. No, Jesus knew exactly who he was dying for. And he knew that they were mean and vile and obnoxious and profane and evil and corrupt and selfish and greedy and lustful and hateful and immoral and cruel. Jesus Christ suffered the punishment of hell for the sake of those who were opposed to him and his father. 
He died for the ungodly. You know, if I, if I was to go down the street and I was to run into an enemy of mine, then I would struggle to give them the time of day, let alone give my life for them. No, what Jesus did in dying on the cross for the ungodly, that's bizarre. It's so out of the realms of what we expect, so out of the realms of what we consider to be normal. It's just at a whole other level. And why? Why on earth would he do this? What on earth would cause God to allow his own dear son to go and do this? Well, the answer is his love. Because yes, it is true that God is very angry with ungodly sinners like us. But it's equally true to say that God loves us very, very much. Read with me again from the second sentence. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not die for lovely people. Jesus did not die for strangers. No, Jesus died for his known enemies, for the ungodly, for sinners. And that is extraordinary. You know, I do not get it. I do not understand it. I mean, why? Think about it. There Jesus is. He's with his Father in the perfection of heaven. We human beings come on the scene and set ourselves up against him as his enemies. So what does Jesus and his Father do? They decide to rescue us. Jesus coming to earth with the explicit purpose of dying for ungodly people like you and me. I just don't get it. It's weird. You know, if Robert Cook had known that that skydiving plane was going to crash that day, then I dare say he would never have boarded it. He was, in a sense, an accidental hero. Oh, yes, a hero, absolutely. But an accidental hero. The crew of the HMAS Sydney, I doubt that they joined the Navy wanting to die. It was the US Army General George Patton who famously said that the object of war is not to die for your country, but to make the other mongrel die for his. Uh, they, they didn't join the Navy wanting to die. Again, they were in a sense accidental heroes. Heroes, absolutely. But accidental heroes. But Jesus was no accidental hero. He came to earth with the express purpose of dying on the cross, the express purpose of there facing the punishment of hell on our behalf, facing the wrath of his father so we wouldn't have to. No, I will never fully understand that. I guess that's because I'll never fully understand the depths of God's love for me. A love that is a love for the unlovely, that is just so deep, so deep. So then I ask, what therefore should we do? 
You know, how shall we respond to such a story of incredible bravery, such a, a story of incredibly extraordinary love? How shall we respond to this story of Jesus Christ who gave his life for us? Well, I think it's obvious, isn't it? This past week, Robert Cook was honoured with a Star of Courage medal. This past week, the federal opposition leader, Brendan Nelson, called for a national memorial service to honour the crew of the HMAS Sydney. How do we respond to Jesus Christ who gave his life for us? What is the right thing for us to do? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? We honour him. That's the right thing to do. We honour Jesus because he died for us. Not that we honour him as one who is dead. Oh, no. We honour him as one who is alive. For we know that three days after his death, God raised Jesus back to life again. You want to hear more about that? Then come to our service on Sunday. We honour Jesus because it is the right thing to do. And we honour him as one who is alive. And so, friends, we honour him by calling out to him with our heartfelt thanks and appreciation. We honour him by declaring to everyone what he has done for us, not keeping to, to ourselves. We honour him by no longer living lives as his enemies, but as his friends. We honour him by no longer living in opposition to God's ways, but living in accordance with them. We honour him, we honour Jesus, for that is the right thing to do. And no, I don't think that going to church once or twice a year is honouring to Jesus. Friend, he has saved you from hell. Surely it is not appropriate to honour Jesus with anything less than everything that we are and everything that we have. Let's pray. Our Father, we acknowledge now uh, the way that we have set ourselves up against you as your opposition, as your enemies. We know, Father, that this has made you angry, and rightly so. And we're so sorry. Father, we know that we were plummeting right into hell, but that Jesus saved us, taking upon himself the full impact of your anger and judgment so that we wouldn't have to. Lord, thanks for your deep, deep love for us, so incomprehensible. And now, Father, we pray that you would help us, help us to honour Jesus with everything that we have and everything we are, knowing that he deserves nothing less. Amen. <laughs>